I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But this little dink ball, no one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I'm looking ass to do, hopefully. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> Loads of club matches to preview this weekend, um, lads. The highest profile one has to be the hurling Leinster final, because it is a final, obviously. Um, and a lot of the other matches are not um, finals. It's Clock Balakala from Leash, who I'm right behind against Ballyhill Shamrocks, who usually I'm right behind, but not on this occasion. Um, Willie Highland is talking about what he said during the week there. We wanted to get to Crow Park. We wanted to get to a Leinster final. If we're underdogs or favourites, it doesn't really matter. Uh, there's no doubt they're underdogs. Like, do you think they wanted to get to Croke Park to play in Croke Park or just because the Leinster final was in Croke Park, uh, Niall? Because I'd see Croke Park being a huge advantage to Ballyhale Shamrocks. Like, I mean, they don't often lose there. I'd imagine it's a, it's an advantage to Ballyhale as well, Willie, because you think back in their recent games there against St. Thomas's and they were on fire that day and destroyed them and they played well against Bursley as well. And when you think of Clock Balacala, you think of your own club even... Like you'd love to get to Croke Park just because it is Croke Park really and that's probably the rather than just that the Leinster final is there you just want to play in Croke Park and I, w- I was amazed during the week to, to read that Willie Hyland he'd only played once in Croke Park and that was for Ireland in a shinty game like he's never played a game of hurling in Croke yeah, Park He retired too young you see 28 He retired too young Willie And he's, he started though when he was 17 like so he was hurling for Leash for 11 years and never got to play in Croke Park which yeah. is still uh, is mad enough like but listen I suppose like yeah, we seen we seen Ballyhale the last day and the day before in o- O'Connor Park against Rhinos, and they sort of struggled that day and the same against Mount Leinster. Maybe the tighter pitch isn't like you know ideal to their kind of brand of hurling, but I'd say when they get out in the wide open spaces, there'll be no bother no bother on them. That's the thing, Bally Ballyhale Shamrocks. We mentioned this already, uh, Lee, that they've played in nine All Ireland Club finals. They've won eight of them. It's an incredible strike rate. They haven't been beaten outside Kilkenny since two thousand and twelve. That's fifteen Leinster games. Um, fairly sure that's uh, three All-Ireland finals 
um, you know, during that time. You know, they're, they're, they're just used to it. And the, the problem with Ballyhill Shamrocks is because they're on the go all the time in Leinster, they go to Tullamore, will they, you know, I'm sure maybe motivation isn't a problem, but maybe subconsciously, you know, here we go again, it's not new to them. But bloody, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately for Clock Balacala, going to Croke Park is enough to kind of spike the interest in Ballyhill Shamrocks and a Leinster final. Yeah, there'll be no shortage of motivation like in a Leinster final. Um, they work so hard to get to that stage of the year. They know from the start of the year that that's going to be their goal. They'll have their eye on the Leinster final from pretty early on. Um, but it's David V. Goliath, isn't it? Like you'd you'd love to see Clap Balakala, especially just because you know it comes from such a small community. It's like one school, one pub, and all of that. Like three hundred members or something to go down to Croke Park, right into the cauldron, and and take them on. Like it would be some story. You'd you'd love to see them do it. Yeah, and it's a very proud day, there's no doubt, for your club. Um, in 2004, <coughs> Port Leash went to Croke Park for the All-Ireland Club final. There's something about it. You're not usually there with your club. It's a very unusual thing. It's a very, very proud day and the nerves are off the charts. Um, you know, so like, I mean, loads of teams, at least the footballers are getting a chance to sample it in the semi-final. They're straight into the, to the Leinster final. Willie Highland was talking about it. Every GA club has, his die, has, has their diehards. We have some diehards who probably have never been past the red cow. So to see everyone going to Croke Park is just an amazing feeling for everyone. I think everyone's going on Sunday, so it's a great occasion. You always hear this cliche, and I never really understand it. Play the game, not the, not the occasion. You know, like, I mean, and if you were going into the Clock Bella College dressing room, you'd be saying this to them. It's hard to actually break that down in very layman's terms. What, what do you really mean when you say that? Oh, I, I don't know, to be honest, like, <laughs> because when it is your first day out in Croke Park, like it's sure, it's just a different and it's going to be yeah. a little bit different and you're going to find it different. Like, and It obviously I means fo- just focus on the game because there are a lot of distractions. Now, obviously, there won't be the same distractions with tickets and all that kind of stuff when we're talking with inter-county level. Mm. But it's just stay, I suppose it is, it means stay focused, stay focused on, think about the game. Don't let Crow yeah. Park distract you. You know, there's a lot of distractions, I suppose, is, is basically that what that cliche is telling you. Yeah, well, when they've never been past the red cow, that might be the, <laughs> that might be the first distraction. You might see the Lewis for the first time. Isn't it mad that the red cow is kind of seen as this GAA sort of a, a landmark? Like, anytime we're going to a game, it's like, you'd always see people there at the red cow, I suppose, getting off the Lewis and stuff like that. And... Willie Highland talking about it there just got a laugh out of it the, the red cow is kind of it's a mark you're, it's a you're mark, into Dublin at that stage yeah, yeah you've yeah. made it into the big time like. for the cold cheese you want to have the ham sandwiches uh, definitely packed in in the back basically Ballyhill Shamrocks have, have won or um, Clock Ballacall have won two games in Amore Park Ballyhill Shamrocks now are going up to pr- practically their home ground in Croke Park I'm going to start a campaign take Ballyhill Shamrocks out of Croke Park it's a complete unfair advantage for them and split them in two even though like they're only a li- tiny little village it's freaky they're the freakiest club ever there's no point in saying anything else what they've done and we talk about Clock Ballacall is only a small place Ballyhill Shamrocks mm. is only a small place like I mean it's just it's just incredible. Other hurling game this weekend is another finalist, the Ulster finalist, Slocknail versus Ballycran um, from down. Interestingly enough, uh, Slocknail have been winning um, Ulster titles. It's a three of the last four they've won. And then, of course, the COVID one that wasn't even played, uh, Lee. The last team to beat them was Ballycran. Most people won't, outside of hurling, people won't really have heard of Ballycran. I don't really remember them too much. Um, I have a recollection of them beating Slocknail, but they beat them convincingly, Lee. And I suppose here's Slocknail's. Uh, chance for revenge 
Yeah, I think Ballygrand's the last team to beat them um, in Ulster. It was at 2018, and, and they may have beat them by about 10 points or so. Yeah. Like it, it was a convincing victory, for sure. Um, yeah, it's like Neil, you know, their, their tails will be up for sure for this one. It's an Ulster final, so they're always going to be up for it. You know, they're out of the football, so all of their focus is on the hurling. And they got over Dunloy last week, which was already something up like a, a grudge match. And apparently Brandon Rogers is just playing uh, frightening stuff at the minute. He uh, started against Dunloy at half forward. They moved him into midfield and he just tore them apart from the second half onwards. I think he got 1-3 or 1-4 in the end. So he's in the mood anyway. And Slotney look like the, they're in the mood. So they'll be up for it. Yeah. I wonder when you, when, is there like a wing forward pos- position for Brendan Rogers in football? Uh, potentially with his pace and his work and maybe a bit of work rate around the middle if you want to put um, Kieran McFall at centre back you know is Brendan Rodgers kind of wasted in the, in, in the full back line when you when you see his pace and you see his athleticism yeah I mean I think it's because like Kieran McFall he, he, he does bring scores to the game um, I'm not too sure what Brendan Rodgers shooting <laughs> is like in, in, in football to be fair that's no criticism of him at all he's, he's a serious footballer it's funny it's I hurling about- anyways yeah, yeah, I was I was talking about that earlier. Actually, he, um, uh, growing up, he, he would have preferred the hurling, you know, like him playing for Derry and uh, county hurling setup. And football was definitely more of a backseat sort of role. But uh, just as you know, the Slocknail football team started to really come to the fold into that like dynasty team that took over, and then obviously putting in really consistent performances for Derry over the years. People sort of forgot just how good at hurling he was, you know, because he doesn't really get the same platform in Ulster to to show what he can do. So it was good to see him again uh, last week showing uh, stuff. Yeah, de hurling. I like the way that's kind of what football people call hurling. He's good at de hurling. <laughs> <laughs> the owl hurling <laughs> the owl hurling that's it Brendan Rodgers obviously was absolutely outstanding I think he's a great exciting player to watch um, in hurling or in football you know like he definitely catches your eye um, you know with his pace and uh, like definitely adding scores then he was sick actually incidentally in the last game when he scored 1-4 from midfield so yeah, that'll show you what you, you wouldn't have known it by him the way he was, no. uh, he was watching the highlights there the point he scored down the wing and got a good goal as well and just as Lee was talking, I, I kind of remember, in football even, is going back through the years, I can kind of even remember him as he was fullback, bombing up and kicking a few scores, like, and he's just such a, he gets you off your seat, like, and I remember that day against Ballyhale Shamrocks, he took off down the wing that day and left some lad for dead completely and stuck it over the from bar. the sideline. Like, he's just, yeah, he's just real direct, isn't he, and bombs forward and he's great to watch. Yeah, he's good at the owl hurling, so he is, uh, there's no <laughs> doubt. Before we go on uh, to look at some of the football matches, we have to apologise to New, I have to apologise to Newtown Shandrum because I made a, a serious error on the show here on Monday. I'm glad I don't make too many errors because whenever I do, I'm very well reminded of it in the DMs <laughs> um, and, and, and on messages on Twitter that everybody can see. So you made a comment that Cork teams have haven't won in Munster since 2009 and then I said something like jeez when was the last time they won it you'd have to go back to the bars in the late 80s before the late 70s before we'd find a Cork uh, winner so a man from Newtown Shandrum was on to me of course he was (laughs) well I have to pull you up on something there we won it in um, they won it they won it the Munster three times in the noughties and obviously won the All-Ireland final as well and I remember that team well so it was a big mistake um, for me a fantastic team like it's such a bizarre thing like Cork were revolutionising hurling at inter-county level and able to take on Kilkenny and beat them and Newtown Shandrum with the Ben and Jerry who were such a big part of the Kilkenny or the Cork inter-county team they were Newtown Shandrum and they almost played the uh, exact same way now. Like they're a very memorable team. Oh, at the exact same time as well, like, and sure. Yeah. It was it was in 2004, I'm nearly sure, but Humna won their first All-Ireland and that was the day Newtown Shandrum were going for two in a row, like, and 
sure Cork were going for their three in a row around those years as well like and uh no, it was just, I, I don't know how we forgot them, to be honest. So I have to hold my hand up here as well because... You're the hurling person here now. Yeah, because yeah, Newtown... the football man. I don't know how I how I let you off with that. It was just it was just <laughs> the bars, but Newtown Shandrum just, uh, when I was growing up, to be a team that you'd always watch. And there's one player, like I know it was always Ben and Jerry O'Connor with the men, but Cahill Nocton was a man that I used to love watching just because oh, yeah. was... I'd say when I was a young lad, he was the my first favourite hurler just because the pace, like, and he just took off I suppose down the wing a bit like Brendan Rogers, but um, no, I don't know how we forgot about Newtown Shandrum to be honest because I remember watching them loads of days yeah he'd just stick it on the hurling run run with it uh, that man would what, what did Cahill Nocton yeah and like, it, it'd be the same he wouldn't even start for Cork and I'd always be going mad like why is this man not starting like and he'd come on then and he'd just that was just a tactic he'd get the ball and leg it like yeah one other thing I was pulled up on Twitter recently I said that no Tyrone team has even made an Ulster final since 2002 never mind win it Errigal Kieran was the last one and I was pulled up on this one as well because Oma made the the <laughs> Ulster final in 2014 and put in a great showing against Slocknail I, I have a very clear memory of watching that game on television so there you are we're not very good at looking back down uh, down through the through the list well I, I'm not uh, Niall I'm going to take the blame for that your stat was perfectly perfectly good um, Saturday these games are on television um, on RTE the first one is Shell Maliers of Wexford versus Nace like I mean there's not much more you can say about Nace like I mean they're still proving that you know all clubs need to do is get in a manager that's costing them uh, maybe costing them money this isn't just Nace this is any manager any team that has an outside manager pay them for half a year let them get the lads fit let them organise a game plan now say look we're done with you now the players are going to take this over so like I mean who needs a manager like I mean this is a le- I, like I mean Nace are very very strong favourites here Lee like I mean I can't see anything but a nice um, win and obviously their journey looks like it's going to continue yeah but I'm still excited to see it because I think this might be I think I'm right in saying this that this is the first time Nace are playing on like you know terrestrial TV uh, it's always been on like streams and stuff so I've never actually got to uh, catch them live so you know it'll be good to actually see them in action and see this whole player manager dynamic and Eamon Callaghan just running back the years and stuff like I, I'm still uh, looking forward to it yeah, so Shell Maliers had a good win over Nave Martin the last time. I was fancying Nave Martin in that. The Wexford teams never really do well in in Leinster. They haven't done as long as I remember following Leinster. Interestingly, Simon Donoghue's fullback for Shell Maliers. Um, always nice to see a hurling man have a go at the more skillful game now. Yeah, he's coming back from the hurling to play a bit of football there. And uh, <laughs> no, I think they've I think they've a lot of dual players in Shell Maliers because do, yeah. in in Wexfordshire it's nearly it's nearly the case where every every player is a dual player and. There's a few lads that I was up in college playing for Shell Maliers this weekend. So while I'm sort of maybe invested in the Nay story and you'd like to see them go all the way, it'd be nice to see Shell Maliers do a job there as well because Wexford clubs don't get there too often in the in the football, really. No, no, they don't. Definitely don't. Five o'clock then we have Port Harlington versus Kilmacug Croaks. Great from a leash perspective that we have two teams on the television uh, this weekend. Like, I mean, this, trust me on this. I've been right in Port Arlington now since I saw them uh, earlier this year. This is going to be a cracking, cracking, cracking game because the way Port Arlington play, you're going to enjoy this match. And Kimiko Crokes play a nice brand of football as well. Like, I mean, the Dublin final was more Jude's kind of, you know, using the tactics they thought they needed to on the day. But this is going to be two teams going at it, you know, defending well, but not sacrificing their attacking uh, game plan by overdoing the defence. They'll defend well, they have good defenders, and that's the way, as far as I'm concerned, football should be. You should defend well, throw a couple of, two or three extra numbers down there if you need them, but do not sacrifice 
the ability to kick it up the other end of the field and actually let your forwards get one-on-one. So you're going to see some fantastic attacking football um, as far as I'd be concerned. I'd be really looking forward to sitting down on the couch, cracking open a can of beer, Lee, and, and enjoying this one. Yeah, I'll be right there with you. I mean, it's a, you made it. You've really built that up now. So if it's a stinker, you'll be getting a text message. But <laughs> oh, I'll be getting um, lots of DMs. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering too, like, because we sort of talked about when St Jude's that it probably was more their fault the way that Dublin final went, and that was the way they thought they had to play football to win that game. But like, you know, they nearly did win it. They they caused them a lot of problems, and they really. Uh, held them up to it and I'm just sort of wondering do you think by going because you know a lot more about Port Arlington do, do you think by going all out attacking and opening yourself up would there be any risk at all of sort of suffering maybe a hammering from Kilmacrow Crooks or is it just not that sort of they're not at that level I don't think so like I mean Port Arlington have a very good defensive unit very good individual defenders and they'll you know they'll drop the two wing forwards back the midfielders are two big athletic fellas who will get back as well so this kind of idea that because you leave four forwards up in the forwards and maybe they'll only leave three and they might be worried about Mannion, that somehow you're going to get hammered. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Like, I mean, that's, uh, no offence, Lee, but that's an Ulster mentality as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> say it was going to happen. I <laughs> for it to even oh, cross okay. your mind. For it even, for it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for it. just pointing to the fact that St. G's had some success and I'm wondering if other teams who maybe be fearful, especially because they wouldn't be very experienced in Leinster. Like, don't, don't paint me as this. I have enough trouble. <laughs> well, you, you come up with a question. I, listen, I was used to this long enough with Stevie MacDonald and Conan Doherty and all these fellas on the show. This is a, this is a kind of defeat this attitude oh we're going to get clean I'd, at the back if we don't bring back lads like I mean I've said this 101 times on the show you would think that before Jim McGuinness came into Gaelic games in 2011 and played a very 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 defensive counter-attack game of football that, sc- that the end score in matches was like 525 to 330 it wasn't the case there was games that finished 10-9 in points with no defensive extra cover why? Because the teams were able to defend. Like, I don't subscribe to that. And I think Port Harlington will show that you can have a nice balance. Keep your eye out for David Murphy, who plays full forward for Port Harlington. He was on the leash panel with me in 2003 uh, or 2004. I think or he was a minor with leash in 2003. So he must be 36, 37 now. But Jesus, he was a he was a fair man to run back in the day in the long distance runs. And he's like you're looking at him, you think he's still in his 20s. He's out to every he's breaking every time, leaving his brother Colm, who's the scorer, you know, closer to goal, which is always a nice dynamic in the full forward line. Keep your eye on it. Keep your eye out for Paddy O'Sullivan, wing back, number seven. He kicks the ball an awful lot. He's great pace. Keep your eye out for obviously we know Robbie Piggott he'll probably torture Mannion the whole way through the game Robbie Piggott thrives on that kind of uh, thing I'm really looking forward to it have you anything to say on this I game? I just hope for your sake that Port Arlington <laughs> get up on the right side of the bed and put up a good show because uh, Lee will be fairly smug if they don't Yeah well if they, if they do get hammered well listen it's just just as well I'm leaving the show Exactly I might never have to see Lee again Right up to Ulster now Lee up to right you'll get, you'll get your you'll get your mass defences here now maybe Derry Connolly are playing Clan Aaron. Uh, this is in Kingspan Breffney Park. This is on TG Cahar on Saturday. This is on TG Cahar on Saturday on Saturday night as well. Yeah. So there's there's four games on television. Three on RT. There's an All Ireland Club final um, in Camogie. Owlert de Bala are playing Sarsfields. Two massively famous clubs, obviously, in the Camogie. So you've Camogie, you've Nace Shell Maliers, you've Port Arlington, and Kim McCood, and then you've Derry Gonnelly. If you've any more um, room for GEA in your day. Um, you've Derry Gonnelly Harris versus Clan Aaron. Like I mean, 
Um, Derry Gonley have been very close, you know, in Ulster. Like their favourites going into this, which is, you know, surprising enough considering you, you, you think Armagh, you think Cross McGlenn, you know, you think this is a, this is the great thing, Lee, about the provincial championships. It doesn't follow those inter-county lines at all. You know, the Fermanagh champions can be favourites to beat the Armagh champions. And that, for me, that's what makes it unpredictable and what makes them so, so exciting. No, yeah, completely. Otherwise, uh, Tyrone and Donegal teams would be a lot more successful in the provincial series, uh, which definitely hasn't been the case. But um, yeah, Derek Connolly, they 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 overcame Dromore in the in the last match, and it, you know it was pretty. To be fair, some mass defences uh, were on display, but it got very exciting towards the end. And Connell Jones, in particular, Connell Jones uh, was fantastic from the dead ball. Uh, he hit a free kick just to equalise it right at the depth. Um, it was against the wind. I'd say the boot, you know, in a celebration afterwards, and then they had their tails up, took more to extra time, and then he was just prolific from there on. I think he scored another three, um, one from play, two from freeze, I think. Uh, but they were all monster, monster kicks. He was just fantastic. So I'm looking forward to seeing him again in action. But there uh, is parallels from with, like, Clan Aaron in that stage because they played Cregan. And it took a last-minute free kick, an outrageous free kick as well yeah. to send that game to extra time. It was Tierney and Kelly. It was maybe even more impressive. And then they sort of got the stronghold in, in extra time and managed to get over the line. So you've got these two teams, you know, that n- never say never. And they were sort of more on the favourite side of the draw in the Ulster uh, Championship. You know, they managed to avoid, like, Glenn, Kilku, Scottstown and teams like that and came up against, the, like, you know, Craig and all who'd never really been in Ulster before. So it's it's a, a golden opportunity to reach a, a Ulster final for both teams. Yeah, there's no doubt that it is. And Derry Gonley have been in around the mix. In 2017, they beat Armagh Harps, who were the Armagh champions. So they've shown that they can beat the Armagh champions. And um, in 2017, they lost the semi-final replay to Cavan Gales. So they were up there around the mix. Um, and then two years ago, they lost to Kilku in the semi-final as well. One eight to nine points. And we know Kilku um, went so well and are such a good team. Like Derry Gonley are nearly there, you know, Niall. So like, I mean, they're probably rightly so their favourites for this one. Yeah, they're always there, thereabouts. And any game that they are in, it's it's always a tight game. Like, and they've been Fermanagh champions. I'm not sure how many it is in a row now at this stage, but they're definitely the dominant team in Fermanagh. One in a row. Is it just one in a row? Right, well, that's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> they won six and then lost it and now we're right, again. We'll, we'll, we'll go, go to seven and eight years one, so I'll give them that. And, uh, Willie's just destroying everyone on his I've just been a dickhead on my But listen, it's a stat, so I have to take it on the chin. But they did they are they're very kinda they're consistent, aren't they? And they're always there and I'd say it's only a matter of time before they do kind of make their mark. Like re, you know, winning Ulster title, like because they yeah. seem to be good enough for it. Yeah, they definitely are. So they'll obviously the winner of that one plays the winner of arguably the stronger side of the draws, Kilku versus Glen. Really looking forward to this one as well. This is at four o'clock. Live, uh, but it's deferred coverage on TG Car. It'd be very, very difficult mm-hmm. not to check out the result of that and watch it as live on on TG Car. I can never do it, and then I look from the from the scoreline. Like if it's nine eight to Glen, like I'd be like, ah, am I really going to watch that now? I know the score. Mm-hmm. I'll, I might just, uh, you know, maybe watch highlights or something, something like that. Here's one for you, Lee. Since I'm on kind of attack mode uh, here, <laughs> so Chrissy McKay, Chrissy McKay said. He was, Chrissy McCaig does all the media for Slot Nail. I don't know how he has the patience. So he's obviously a brilliant interviewee. Um, he, he's obviously a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, and for their footballers and their hurlers, whenever there's like a media, um, you know, day, he's the one that's put up. 
and that's obviously to protect other players he's the they obviously see him as having the maturity to be able to handle you know being in the media and stuff like that for me I would like to share it around and give all the players that kind of experience but anyways that's Slocknail's uh, reason so usually when you see Chrissy McCaig you're not really it's it's hard to find angles with him because he's done so many of them like you know what are we going to talk to him about so the, I think the, the journalist obviously must have asked him about who he fancied in the other semi in the other semi-final in the or in the football semi-final rather not the other semi-final they're obviously in the hurling the hurling final so he was asked about who'd win between Kilku and Glenn and uh, he said to call that one would be difficult but I do firmly believe that in Kilku and Glen it's a bit strange that it's a provincial semi-final because I believe currently that they could be classified as number one and two in the country now I don't really know where he's getting that from because like I mean the reality of it is Ulster teams haven't won an All-Ireland club since 2012 and that was Cross McGlen right so since then Connacht have won five All-Irelands so, like, I mean, why are Pierce's or Knockmore not being put down as one and two when they're coming through by far the strongest province uh, in recent years? Um, Leinster have won two All-Ireland clubs and they've been both Dublin champions, Ballyboden, St. Enders and St. Vincent's and Kilmacud Croaks have come through that championship. So I'd have Kilmacud Croaks ahead of them based on the championship they've just come out of. And Munster have won one with Dr. Croaks and Austin Stacks have come through that Kerry championship, which is really, really uh, difficult. So, like, I'll have to respectfully disagree with Christy McKagan. I think it's a serious Ulster bias and I'd like you to explain it to me. <laughs> I feel like you're making it out like I said it. <laughs> you know, like I, I, have to, I have to agree with you. Like, I definitely don't think it's one and two. But uh, I do also agree that you got to uh, defend the Ulster teams and just, you know, we put them on a platform, try to speak it into the existence, say we're the best team, and then we'll worry about being the best teams after that. You know, <laughs> so you yeah. got to say it first. Well, um, look, in his defence, no one was saying Tyrone were the best team in the country at the start of this just, year. So, like, I mean, we, we, I, could, I could have egg on my face at the end of the, Although both of them can't make the All Ireland final. So, this can never. Yeah. Chrissy's theory can never be proven right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's There's no back door. Into a hole there. Um, no, I mean, like, I suppose a part of him maybe wants to build Glenn up a big bit because uh, Stockdale and in the Derry Championship and all the years, the past few years anyway, they'd always been deemed as the favourites, you know, and yeah. they're always coming up against the underdogs and stuff. So maybe he's looking to build Glenn up a little bit. You know, already got one <laughs> next season. And then he's maybe a bit sympathetic towards Kilku because he would have worked, worked under Mickey Moran for a while and he's just doing him a favour there by throwing him a compliment or two other than that like I have no idea where where he got that stat from Yeah It's strange isn't it with Glenn the reputation they have Niall considering they, they only won the first ever county title Now fair is fair they're after winning two bloody good games the Donegal champions who traditionally are, are pretty good you know Nave uh, Glenties and stuff have gotten the finals Kilcar have done well in the Ulster Club and have beat Scotstown who've been a very I suppose it's not really based off their county final win they beat, actually when you think about it their last three games they've beaten Slocknail Unions and Scotstown you know so maybe you know maybe the, the reputation is deserved it is yeah stage. like it's um, it's very good form that they have and like having watched them that day against Scotstown they have they have a lot of talent like you know and to have Conor Glass and Kieran McFall in the one team like is a it's a fair spine to have in your team like and but at the same time to see Glenn as I was just checking the odds this morning to see Glenn as odds on favourites to beat Kilku is a bit of a surprise to me now right. especially considering they, what do you mean when you say odds on like they were 8 to 13 and Kilku right. was something like 7 to 4 like which is a surprise to me because like, watching Kilku the last day they were they were absolutely brilliant that day against Rammer. Yeah. And going back to the last All Ireland club final, should they were there and they ran Cora Finn all the way. They should like, have beaten Cora Finn that day. Should have beaten yeah. Cora Finn, like so um 
I, I don't know and, I, and it's the same at the All-Ireland Club like you were saying um, Glenn and or Chris McCaig said Glenn and Kilku would be the favourites but the bookies have Kilmacud Croke straight away followed by Glenn and Kilku back at 8-1 to one, like which is right like in fairness like they've been they've been brilliant this year and they have a very talented team but I wouldn't if I was if I was a betting man I'd be back in Kilku just because of the experience they have in that grade and what they've done before like yeah no it's definitely it's definitely an interesting this will be the hardest this, you could say that if Glenn win this Ulster title, they'll have beaten Unan, Scottstown, Kilcoo and probably Derry Gonnelly to win it. And that's after beating Slocknail in the Derry final uh, lead. There's no doubt. If they come through that, OK, I'll, I might stick them in ahead of Kilmacud Croaks. Well, Port could be Kilmacud Croaks, you see. I'm giving them a good chance. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of it comes from, and we sort of talked about this before, the amount of success that they had underage so like everyone yeah. in Ulster is really building them up because they knew that this team was coming and they were saying for years and years they're coming they're coming even at the start of this season you know when I was saying that like Slot Neil and Glenn are big rivals and you were sort of saying how could they be rivals because there was no rivalry really but it's because of that underage sort of and, and the big hype that was around it um, for so many years so now that they're finally at the forefront it's just a load of people pointing and saying see I told you so I told you so <laughs> right. so that's where a lot of it's coming from but um, yeah like I mean they've just been so impressive as well like no one ever really walks the Derry Championship and they won it by something like a 13 point average um, very very comfortable and then beating the Mighty Slot Neil and then like you say just getting over the line against a very, very defensive St. Union's team, but, you know, over the line nonetheless and uh, dominant against uh, Scottstown. But I, I still think Kilku might be favourites for this game. Um, a little like when Maliki O'Rourke, we talked about Maliki O'Rourke knowing Scottstown and Monaghan football and stuff and the way he was able to utilise that information, to, you know, to nullify the Hughes brothers and stuff. Mickey Moran's a Glen man, you know, he grew up in Mahara, he played for them, and then he managed Slot Neil, so he's played against, or he's managed teams against them for years. Uh, I think it was four years he was in charge of Slot Neil. So it'll be really interesting to see how he sets up against Glen, because he'll know them better than most. Um, how he'll deal with that sort of stronghold in the middle of Emmett Bradley, Connor Glass, and Kieran McFall just behind will be very interesting indeed. Like I'm um, I'm really looking forward to this one. To me, this is this is my match of the weekend. I'm excited. Yeah, no, definitely. I think most people are excited about that one as well. And get a look at, um, get a look at Glenn against the likes of Kilku, who are probably that step ahead of the last two teams um, that they played. Austin Stacks versus Newcastle West. This is in Austin Stack Park at half past one. Austin Stacks won the toss for this one, um, so they obviously have an agreement. Um, Limerick and and Kerry. So, like, I mean, that's a huge advantage to Austin Stacks. Jimmy Lee, the Newcastle West manager, said. Uh, we've a solid defensive unit um, that we've had been and we have been that all year. It's been hard to break us down and we've worked very hard at that. When I hear hard to break down, like it's like a euphemism for we, we, we drop a lot of, a lot of bodies back. Uh, that's usually um, the last while and we know Austin Stacks drop a lot of bodies back. So I'm glad this one isn't on television. <laughs> now I'm just reading in between the lines here and I'm not, exa- I'm not holding out for this one to be a classic. Yeah, well, I'm glad it's not. Well, I wouldn't be watching it anyway because it, like there's four games on television on Saturday, and to be honest, I don't, I don't think I'll be able to survive that for four. Like you'll have to just cut out two, like because yeah, I don't know you. Oh, you'd, you'd be gassed out. No, have you ever tried to do it? Watched four games? Like I mean, you, by the end, no. by the fourth one, you're like just gazing at the television. There's nothing really, there's nothing sinking in. No, like to be honest, by the time the second one comes on, you'd even be a little bit. I'd find myself going a bit like... Gassed out, especially when you're trying to concentrate on it and try, you know, pay attention to everything, you know? I mean, you do get tired. It's like, maybe it's like studying, maybe not studying, but if you're, if you're, 
you know, I used, sometimes I'd be stopping it, rewinding it, see what happened there, and you know, it's 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 a lot. When there's a th- sometimes when there's a third one on TG Car, I'm like, ah, Jesus, yeah. I don't want it. Yeah, you're looking at the screen and you get a bit zonked, like, and you just want to go outside, like. But <laughs> listen, it's it's very much first world problems we're talking yeah, about yeah. here. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I like the way you said oh, you just want to go outside where you, I just want to go outside get my hurl pucket against the wall yeah. after watching a hurling match. That's exactly you want, what you, want you do. You want to go practice like. what you did. Yeah, go back what, to the hurling. What you saw. The other yeah. one then is St. Finbars versus A. Rogan. I don't know what it is about this Munster Club football but it doesn't capture my imagination like the other three provinces, Lee. Like, it just doesn't. Like, you know, Cork teams have, uh, you know, obviously Nemo Rangers are outstanding. It's usually been just Cork and Kerry and it hasn't uh, you know, we we know it's not great at inter-county level, but all the other all the other provinces, you know, have got outstanding club teams, even though their county team isn't outstanding. But Munster seems to still follow that Kerry Cork kind of boring procession to you know what's going to what's going to happen in the Munster final. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like the the county the county uh, identity sort of follow the club. In yeah, the, in the Munster sort of championship. Yeah, I mean it definitely is. It's, it's not. Um, out of all the games we talked about there, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not super excited by this one by any means. Um, I like the look of uh, Stephen Sherlock. He's, he's a sharpshooter. I like watching him play. But I mean, I, apart from, that, I don't even have really anything too exciting to say. I mean, you, you imagine the Bars would win this one, and they'll go on through and play um, either is it Austin Stacks and the. I forget New, Newcastle, Newcastle West. West yeah. Yeah, yeah, we just yeah, talked yeah. about so it, Lee, just like 10 yeah, seconds I got ago. There, I got there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, didn't let anyone interrupt me. I got that on my own. Let the record show. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. You'd imagine St. Finbars are going to win. Although you wouldn't know. Finbars haven't been haven't no. made a Munster Club fi- a final since 1986. You'll be able to tell us how good Lockmore Castellani are, how, how high of a standard that that football in Tipperary are. They were able to handle Lockmore Castellani, beat them after extra time. I wouldn't see this as the foregone conclusion. It is in Parky Rin, which is an advantage. No, I'd, give, I'd definitely give Erog uh, every chance, like, because, like, Lockmore had a, had a very good year and, like, they beat Clonmel Commercials, who are, who are very good, uh, a very good team. And, like, do you know, they, they, they're not an old team by any means, Clonmel Commercials. Like, so Lockmore had good form coming in and, by all accounts, they played fairly well that day against Airog. Like Airog have good players. Like you know, David Reedy is there. There's a few other lads that are, and I've seen the goals that they scored that that day. It was the big Darren O'Neill got a brilliant goal, and you know, just a powerhouse around the middle for them. And yeah, I was just thinking about that. What you were saying about Munster football, and that is the the kind of the way. And I suppose I, I don't want to miss someone like Newtown Chandram here, but the only yeah. club outside of um, a my Carrot, Rovers, no. They did got they? to a Iron Club. Oh. I, I was just saying the Kilmurray of Brecon from, oh, they from did, Clare. Yeah, they got Clare. to the Iron Club final, didn't they? But you can't think, like, there's no real sort of juggernaut, like, you know, a Cross McLean coming from somewhere in Munster, like, other than, like, Dr. Croke. Yeah, like, Murray Kilbrickin is a good example. They were beaten by St. Gall's, dear, to beat Port Leash in the semi final. I remember them well. Um, there's no doubt. Yeah, I think Wild Rovers were good in the Declan Brown era. They had right. the fo- Foley fell in midfield. Um, but, anyways, listen, that's it. So we fancy both, we, we, well, we fancy Austin Stacks. Um, we're not too sure about, about the other one but that's it we've uh, previewed all those games we'll come back and we'll look at a little bit of news in part two yeah so there's a bit of news around I want to start off with something I'm not comfortable about at all and that is criticising DJ Carey and not agreeing with DJ Carey who's an absolute legend um who is, you know, one of the best hurlers that has ever played. But he's talking about the July inter-county finals. 
Right, so this is going to be weird. There's no doubt about it. It's going to take a little bit of getting used to, but you have to remember this is for the the greater good that the intercounty season number one ends quick ends sooner, so that intercounty players' whole lives aren't being dominated for you know nine months of the year. Is number one, and number two is to give the split season a good chance, so that ninety percent of the playing members of the association get a fair whack of the you know of the year and can play during the summer. And we know all the good reasons for it, but there's no doubt it is going to be weird. Uh, DJ Carey said, we promote our game by saying that the club is the basis and the backbone of everything. But I'm not sure, and I mean that as a GA fanatic, like whatever's going on in Galway Club Hurling or Dublin Club Hurling or Cork Club Hurling, that's not of huge interest to me. Now, you can't be a GA fanatic and say that's not a huge interest to you, because it is. Mm. Absolutely. You're not a GA fanatic then, DJ. But anyways, he says, what I mean is, I'm not tuning into it. But if Galway were playing Dublin or Cork were playing Wexford, that's what I'm tuning into. Or, or I'm at those games. So, like, he, he's not a GA fanatic. DJ Carey is clearly loves the, watching the inter-county game. And he's not too bothered about what happens in different county club games. Now, he, I don't know, he never mentioned the provincial club games. But that's not what a GA fanatic is, Niall. A GA fanatic is reading... The, the websites and the newspapers to find out what's going on in every county. That's what the fanatics do and some fanatics would know way more than us about who's playing for who and you know what, you know they, they know that Glen are on the way and all these kind of things. Like I, see I'm, I get a little bit annoyed when I hear this kind of stuff only because I keep talking about the, the provincial club championship and we're going to have it next October and we should all be looking forward to that. We should be and in five years time the intercounty season will not be seen as the end of the season at all. It'll only be the end of that season and it'll be the start of something that's just as good. That's I strongly believe it. If the TV, if the GA sell, <coughs> sell rights uh, in the next uh, media deal and properly promote, not the county finals, I'll give them that. Like They'll be on TG Car or whatever, but properly promote these provincial club championships and promote them properly. I don't see why finishing the intercounty season in July will ever be a problem. Now, I know we're all on the same page as this because we love, you know, the club. But, you know, I, I, I disagree with GA saying he's a, or DJ saying he's a GA fanatic. What he's described there is more of an intercounty, you know, summer kind of bandwagoner. Sun, sunshine follower. <laughs> sunshine man, yeah. well, well, I'm the exact same as you, Willie. The last thing I want to do is give out about DJ Kerry because he's an absolute legend. And any time I've interviewed him, He's the soundest gent, man yeah. going as well, like you know, and he call you by your name and just just a pure gent. But yeah, he he's um, like there is he's he's definitely not a geo fanatic. The way he's going on there, that you wouldn't be interested in, you know, what's going on in the other counties. And like I don't really see the problem with the All Ireland going ahead in in July, like because like, it's not as if it's the middle of winter and like that. The weather is still yeah. grand. There'll still it'll, be a huge just, audience. Be, we, we won't. Be, it'll be strange this year. I'm sure we get like, used to it. Yeah. Strange is the thing. Like it's not as if it's um, it's not as if it's losing much other than the kind of tradition that's there. Yeah, and like I think the 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 positives definitely outweigh the negatives in terms of like club players and the, the provincial championships, as you said. But more so, I suppose the the main playing population get to play at like not too late in the year, and they get to play in proper conditions, and everyone gets to play. When, when they want to be playing, you know, in the middle of the summer. So I'd say the positives definitely outweigh the negatives there. And uh, don't want to give out about DJ, but like I d- wouldn't agree with him on, in, that, in that sense. I, I think the monthly that we're going to notice the biggest difference in is August, because obviously we've, we'll have inter-county, we'll have the best inter-county 
um, time in July you know the height of the summer the All-Ireland Finals all that it'll be fantastic then August is all going to go away and we're, everyone's just going to filter back into the grassroots and play your group games and all the clo- in all the clubs and you know there isn't a national interest as such in early games you know like I mean even myself I would find it hard watching a group game you know in any county because you know there's not much riding on it but like, I mean, then we're in the middle of September, we'll start getting the semi-final final stages. And then in October, we're back to provincial clubs. So we're only going to ground a little bit in, in August, September. But I think August is probably the month we'll be going, Jesus, this is usually, you know, you know, this is where the huge interest is usually in the inter-county season. Yeah, there'll definitely be a little bit of a like a lull um, at the start of August uh, as we sort of wait for everything to sort of build and bubble again and let it go. But uh, it'll be well worth it just to get that second you know raise like a whole new season sort of starting pretty much straight away and yeah. if it gives the provincial the second wave a second wave we could call it lee seeing as yeah we're, a second we're wave yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excuse all the terms <laughs> everyone wants another wave um <laughs> uh yeah and if, you know it's like you say though if it's done correctly and they're given the platform that they, they deserve to be given and th- this is this is going to change everything and it's going to change it for the better i, I, I don't so. really get what he's saying like with the uh, uh, we say club football is not the backbone of the game but like it has to be because you know if you got rid of county club football would still be there but if you got rid of club there would be no county you know like it doesn't really work uh that way but uh, I, I, even with the players like a lot of this was this so this season was condensed and then players would want to hang on and they'd actually want to play their football and play their hurling um, and they'll stick around the inter-county scene so then you're going to get better players then you'll get more value for your money and it'll be more entertaining and it's better seeing all them in july than seeing half the team that aren't interested in giving up all, all year playing inter-county football uh, in September. I, I think it just it, it makes so much more sense this way. Yeah, I completely agree. So Barry Kelly has been in the examiner. You always know when there's a big controversial weekend of refereeing, the examiner will always have some referee on, you know, to give their, their thoughts on it. And it's Barry Kelly this time. It's usually Brian Gavin. Uh, he, he, he writes articles for them during the summer. It is good to get a, a referee's um, perspective. But he, again, it's the same old thing. Oh, online abuse is not fair, you know, on referees or whatever. This is the world we live in now. There's no stopping this. The answer, we've said this on the show. The answer is if you're worried about online abuse, don't go online. Because I don't see any way to stop it. But he's talking... He's talking about something I don't necessarily agree with. He says, there's such an intolerance for referees making mistakes. A Ballyhale, a Ballyhale player, that was Joe Cudahy, was sent off before halftime for St. Rhinas. I'm quite sure TJ Reid, Colin Fenley or Adrian Mullen didn't give him, give, him, give him a complete another bollocking in the dressing room. And I'm quite sure the Ballyhale supporters didn't turn on him um, either, and correctly so. He made a mistake and he could have cost his club a place in the <laughs> Leinster final. John McGrath made a similar mistake in reacting like he did. He probably being annoyed at the Ballygunner player, etc., etc. Now, I, see, I disagree with this because, like, I mean, Ballyhale won that game. Had Ballyhale lost that game, absolutely, uh, Joe Cudahy would have got, he'd probably, maybe Ballyhale's not a good example, it's a close-knit kind of community, but you might get some fella slobbering at him. Like, I mean, the reality is that re- they think that referees are the only ones to get it. Like, I mean, you make a mistake that costs your, your team a big game like give away a penalty you know get sent off late in the game because usually the referees get abuse over these late kind of calls and we the ones we kind of criticised was the the four decisions at the end of the of the Mount Bellew My Lock Padraig Pierce's game if you're a player and you make four mistakes so say for example you give away a penalty and then you get a black card and then you come back onto the field and you give away a free that loses the game do you think you're not going to get any? Like, I mean, I don't, I'm not nece- I don't necessarily agree that referees get it. Players get it. Anyone that makes mistakes in a live game that's of, of huge importance, do they not all equally get it? 
Yeah, I think I think I, I'd agree with you. I think everyone, when they make a mistake, if you the last place you want to go is to go online because there will be people giving out about you, and I suppose you probably should be like, if you're if you're trying to avoid that, you you should be mature enough to just like block it out and not get kind of sucked into it, you know. And because I suppose everyone's biggest critic, whether you're a referee or you're or you're a player, is going to be yourself. Like if you if you've got something wrong, so. Um, it's it's a difficult one because I suppose there's a lot of kind of in referees rules like sometimes like maybe so, like the John McGrath thing for example like Johnny Murphy he was probably he was going by the rules like John McGrath gave him a little flick and maybe in the rules that is like that is a yellow card you know like and you have to put up with that so I suppose it's kind of sometimes what I'm trying to say is that re- referees might get abuse for things that by the rule book are the right thing to do. Do you know what I mean? And maybe it's just you need to kind of accept the rules a bit. Maybe we need to accept the rules a bit more for what they are that like, do you know, like if a lad, t- like you'd hear people giving out about refs for pulling lad for taking f- four or five steps, do you know, and like you're not actually allowed to do that, do you know, and I think maybe it's just there's so many grey areas with referee and it's a tough one to sort of uh, Yeah. Solve, I'm surprised like. the hurling person is 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 uh promoting referees blowing for every little free. Well That's I'm it. not I'm not promoting <laughs> it, but I'm just saying maybe the rules are just a small bit like there's so many grey areas in them and yeah. every referee is different in their own way and like if they're reffing it to the rule book, it's probably unfair to criticise. It is unfair to criticise, yeah. you know. Maybe, but I think Barry Kelly here is talking about refereeing mistakes. Do you think a referee gets gets it worse than a player who makes a mistake, uh, Lee? Or is it equal? Or what's your what's your take on it? I, well, if he's talking about online, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. To be totally honest with you, I mean, uh, we talked about the Hughes brothers for Scotstown. You know, when they got them red cards, like, and we talked about it afterwards and how they sort of, you know, they they were hooks into that and there was like a weakness on their part in the player and no one was talking about other oh, referee just flashing out raids or anything like that you know it, it, and because Scottstown lost you know it was pretty quick that they took a, a little bit of the blame but it was all very constructive and sensible and I think it's the same with the referee you know when they make a mistake like I, I don't think there's any harm at all uh, pointing that out or highlighting that uh, obviously don't be a troll online or anything but like um, in certain situations if you if they've done something wrong I think it's, it's just totally correct uh, to hold them responsible for that uh, just as a manager would hold a player responsible for making a mistake and vice versa you know even players when managers make mistakes you know they've been known to revolt and, and a mutiny and, and go to the, the committee board or whatever to try and overchange this because they know something's not right and the mistakes you know they just can't stand for them to a certain extent so it's just about holding everyone accountable and I, I don't think referees get it worse or better Right, okay. Here's another one. Is Keen Lynch was talking after winning Player of the Year. I was going to mention this on Monday, but I didn't, we didn't have time. He says, he's talking about a bit of downtime. And I suppose that's important for these fellas. Um, I played two Fitzgibbon league matches with NUIG. Um, so the only two times I took it out. He's talking about his hurl. Other than that, I wouldn't pick it up. Um, you, want to, you want that appetite and that hunger to be sparked again. It's at this time of the year you want to do other things. A bit of indoor soccer with the lads are going to meet your friends. Um, you didn't get to meet the last while as a result of res- restrictions or you're trying to protect yourself. I suppose um, um, different bubbles, whatever different bubbles means. But I was looking at that kind of laughing that the Fitzgibbon manager, or I wonder is he on a scholarship in, in NUIG? I wouldn't think they're too happy with the fact that he's coming back and he's only played two league games with him, hasn't trained with them, 
hasn't even picked up a hurl outside the two of them. So, like, I mean, um, I don't. I'm not criticizing Keane Lynch because I think he's probably doing the right thing. He wants to come back fresh for Limerick next next year. But uh, I don't know if I'd be as public about how little I'm picking up the hurl for your for your Fitzgibbon team. I think Sean Finn said the same thing, didn't he, before the league last year? But oh, he did. Yeah. When you're just a lad that's as skillful as Keane Lynch, like and. A lot of, like you can just you can come back to it and you'd yeah. have lost nothing like you know a lot is he doesn't drink or smoke or anything like do you ever see the, this man with his top off like or him or Connor Myler like I mean these lads are phenomenal athletes like, yeah I mean, they're, they're like professionals yeah. like aren't they like completely and I don't know I wouldn't say NUIG I wouldn't say they'll be holding it against him I'd say they're just <laughs> delighted to have him I think so whatever <laughs> but here's another thing that I was always wondering is because I remember with Port Leash and um, you know before training if the hurlers were finished on the field and the footballers were coming on there'd be a, the mixing of the lads and some of the footballers would get out of hurl and they'd be poking it around and having a bit of crack with it and there was one lad Brian McCormack he, he plays with Bruno he played with Port Leash arguably the greatest player that's ever played for Port Leash and he was a brilliant hurler he's just brilliant at everything good mm. at golf you know he's good at anything that he takes up but he'd take out a hurl like he mightn't have hurled he wouldn't have hurled for Port Leash he hurled senior with Port Leash but gave it up then he'd be able to take out the hurl and he'd be hitting off both sides and striking at the length of the field. I remember uh, Tommy Fitzgerald saying to me, that fucker, how does he do it? Like, I mean, I have to work on my game and my striking so much because he wouldn't... And I remember JJ Delaney saying he wouldn't have been a brilliant striker of the ball. Um, you know, even how good he was. That some lads just... And I'd say Keen Lynch is more... Is of the... Like, whenever he picks up a hurl, that striking's just... How much do you have to keep your eye in at it? Or how much is it natural that, geez, look, that lad... You know, you some lads could pick up a hurl after two years and it's like riding a bike. Whereas another lad, if you're not a good striker... Do you, know, do you get the point yeah. I'm trying to make? Yeah, like, well, I, w- like, I wouldn't be the most skillful hurler by any means, um, but... Like I'd find whenever like you, there was a summer I went to America and you weren't doing too much hurling over there and when you come back then you pick up the hurl and like it feels it feels like a bit of a foreign object for a few minutes like and you're kind of you're getting used to it. Till you bring bring it to bed with you for a few nights. <laughs> till you sleep with it for a few <laughs> nights, yeah. But eventually, like after say, if you're poking for f- five or six minutes, it it comes back to you, you know, and you're right. You don't lo- you don't really lose it too much. Like I'd say, if, if how, you practice, how, how can JJ? Here's another. How can JJ Delaney not be a good striker? Like I mean, when you think about it, he's. He, I should probably should have asked him this in his tribute show, but like I mean, this like he wasn't because Brian Cody was laughing at him. He only, only scored one point ever because he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been able to strike it that far, you know. And I remember his clearances; they were never he never he never launched it like Tommy Walshwood or anything. He'd be hitting it, kind of maybe lower trajectory or whatever. What, how can he not refine his technique to to be a better striker? How can you not be a good striker at that level? Uh, well, I wouldn't say he was a bad striker. Now. <laughs> I, I didn't say, say bad. Yeah, I didn't yeah. say bad. I'd say he's just been a small bit modest there, like in in fairness. But I suppose some lads they do just have different kind of strengths to their game. Like you know, Jay just probably would have been well, he was good at Everton, but his main thing would have been up in the air and catching balls and a brilliant first touch and great man to get the ball into his hand first. And I suppose it is. It's probably to do with your your style of striking the ball, like um, some lads just have that, they have it and it could be the smallest lad in the team and he yeah. just have a brilliant strike and I suppose it goes back to when you're, like when you're younger and you've put in all the hours of practising and that's the same with what Keane Lynch was talking about. I think a lot of it comes back to what you do when you're very young like and all the practising you do, hitting the ball off the wall, I'd say that kind of, you know, that kind of sticks with you more so and I'd say you wouldn't change much. When you get older, I don't think you change your game too much from... You know, it's it's what you do when you're younger that kind of really stands to you, like, and and makes you better, like. Yeah, exactly. Right, Tom Ryan, um, he's written to all counties, 
Um, so Mayo and Roscommon, they've passed motions for Congress. So this motion's going to Congress. I call it the John Connellan uh, motion. He's done all the work on this. Like he's done absolutely fantastic work on this. Um, there's no doubt about this. And now it's been passed. Roscommon, Mayo, I think Galway have passed it in the meantime. So it's going to Congress. This motion, I'll read out the motion. All coaching and development funding must be allocated to individual counties on an equal basis based on registered GA members in the preceding year of each county, up to a maximum variance of 5%. Any proposal to allocate coaching and development funding in excess of a 5% variance must be brought to annual Congress every two years for approval with a transparent plan and business case for such an increased funding. Like, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible that, like, number one, when you read that, you'd be like, how the hell is that not the case already? But we know Dublin have been getting hugely disproportionate um, funding. Anyway, Tom Ryan has wrote to counties um, pretty much going along with everything John Cannellan um, has done. So he's he's saying that they want to equalise the the game's development uh, funding. Didn't reference John Cannellan at all, who's done all the work on it. John uh, was tweeting saying that he's been in contact with Tom Ryan for the last two years and been completely ignored. And now John Cannellan has done all the work on it. Tom Ryan, I suppose, not to really look bad, that hasn't been engaging with John in all the brilliant work he's been doing, has now writing uh, to to individual counties, pretty much asking for the same thing John is. So it's all it's it's a little bit of a strange one. Yeah, it's almost like just sort of trying to steal credit for this brilliant idea or this very yeah. obvious idea nearly. But like he, he put, like you say, like the leg working to, to finally get it going um, with that letter not so long ago. Um, it, it, it begs belief that when you when you read it and it just seems so, it's so obvious that you're like, how, how is this not the case already? And when you see like the disproportionate numbers that are spread around um, and then you look at this, where the success is, you know, it does follow the money and you got to just be like, it needs to change um, we can talk about all the different things with strength and conditioning and team cultures and all the rest of it but like there's no denying that this is a huge part of uh, club development and county development and it needs to be sorted yeah and if you don't agree that money if you don't agree that money you know makes a difference then you don't believe in sports science you know you believe that there's a, there should only be one manager on every team and you know no backroom teams because they're not they're, they're a waste of time no underage coaching because that's a waste of time let's just bring them all up mm-hmm. without any coaching and let's have it fair and that's what you believe in if you believe money doesn't ma- mean anything I, I spoke to Tom Ryan on the show here and I asked him about Dublin dominance and their funding and he didn't seem to have any answers at that stage and it didn't that, that must be three years ago now and there didn't seem to be too much of an appetite for them uh, voluntarily to equalise all this. There was always, oh, we need, you know, Dublin need that. And, you know, there was never a case that absolutely that looks unfair and absolutely we're going to, you know, this is our plan to reduce that over these amount of years and have it completely equal. It took John Cannella to literally go to every county board with this proposal and do all the research on it and sell this to them to get this to Congress and this will fly through Congress because why wouldn't it? Like, I mean, you know, the, the delegates... Yeah, well, I don't want to say what I'm going to say. I, regardless, there is there are very, there is very few delegates I would imagine that would vote against this. The, Tom Ryan has kind of seen that, and now he's rowing in behind this one. Why didn't you do it on your own, Tom? That's the question I would ask him. Yeah, I just wanted to know what you were about to say there, but uh, <laughs> no, like it does seem a bit. Um, it does seem a bit. It's a bit harsh from Tom Ryan, like you know, to kind of take all John what John Cannellan has been. He's been campaigning for that for the last like year or two. And it's it's taken him an awful lot of work, and I know he's a he's a busy man as well himself. Like so, like he's put a lot of effort into that, and to not even get acknowledged for it, like 
from Tom Ryan is a bit like it's it's a bit rude like and it's uh it's not fair in him really but um fair play to him at least at least like without him this mightn't even be happening yeah. like, so do you know fair play to John yeah. Kennedy and I think most people recognise that without John's um, incredible work that this wouldn't and everyone can give out about it and I'm here giving out about it and have I done anything about it no and remember Aaron Kernan always giving out you know with the Club Players Association Lee and everyone gives out about fixtures but who actually gets up off their arses and do it they're the ones we need to be thankful for because it's very easy to talk about it and you know and again it's the same thing in clubs oh jeez they're shite we've no manager we, you know we can't underage is shite have you gone down and coached anyone Oh no, I'd rather, you know, you give out about it. And I, look, I have to say, I'm a little bit like that as well. I'm a, I'm a giver-outer rather than a doer-ly. I see. We, we get the conversation started and that's, that's how you get these things going. <laughs> that, you hate behind that uh, cliche. But um, no, there does. Finally, someone actually just stood up and, and, was, and wanted to be pragmatic about it. You know, saying that these are the issues. This is how you can actually solve it let's go and here's a roadmap on how to get there and, and you know and, it, and then it seems so obvious and like we're saying why wasn't it done earlier but like someone wasn't brave enough other or will we and other people that weren't brave enough to actually take that physical step forward and, and, and make a motion um, but John was and, and, and fair play to him like because if this does and like you say it should do uh, get through then he should um, it should be named after him whatever he does go through well it should, and he should get it should. all of the credit yeah, no, exactly. The fella in America said to me before, Parky, there's two types of people in this world. There's talkers and there's doers. And I think I fall into the talking category. Um, <laughs> John Canellan falls into the doer uh, category, um, which is great, which is fantastic. One other one for you here, Niall, is GEA. We're ta- we're, again, we're back on the money. Money makes no difference. So Tipperary GEA have recruited former Arsenal head of Academy Sports Medicine and Athletic Development, Des Ryan to lead an overhaul of their coaching structures. Jeez. Right, so Satanta College. Um, Colin Bonner and Tommy Dunn both went to Satanta College in, in Tipperary, is it? Is it? It's the strength and condition side of the college in Turlister, yeah. Right, right, okay. So, like, I mean, this they're going to take the lead in the strength and conditioning of all senior and underage county teams in both hurling and football. This is a bit of a coup for Tipperary, like, I mean, because we talked about Brian Cullen going full-time with the Dublin, you know, GEA and... You know, getting the underage players, you know, you don't want to be bloody cracking the whip on, you know, younger players, but getting them exposed to strength and conditioning, not at too young of an age. But, you know, when they land up to under 21 and senior, they're well, you know, developed physically and it's not strange to them, you know, like, I mean, and it looks like Tipperary are going down that road. Their chairman... Uh, Joe Kennedy said Satanta College is a world leader in delivery of athletic development programmes and led by Des Ryan this partnership will have major benefits for all the Tipperary teams and the future I'm not sure who's paying Des Ryan I presume it's the Tipperary County Board Well it must be I suppose a combination of the Tipperary County Board and the sponsors as well like, but yeah. it's like yeah that's Satanta College I think Michael Fenley he was in there as a as a lecturer like for the strength and conditioning as well like so and a, a lot of the lads who a lot of like lads who be hurling Tipperary have gone there and studied strength and conditioning like so um, it seems to be a very good college there and it's definitely a thing that um, Tipperary like have been kind of lacking in I'd say maybe in the last in this year especially there was a few people saying after the miners lost they were well beaten by um, Waterford down in down in Waterford and everyone was saying that the tip miners they just looked a lot kind of smaller than the Waterford boys and it was right. the same with the under 20s they were maybe horsed out of it a bit by Cork so and like when you do see uh, when you see the miners in under 20s nowadays like when you see the inter-county lads like they're huge men like you know they're they're as big as they're as big as seniors like what you'd expect to be seniors nearly 5 or 10 years ago like 
So I suppose it's definitely a good thing that Tipperary are kind of trying to get up to that level and get a lad who is in with Arsenal. It's not a bad way to go. Yeah, well, they're like, I mean, but here's the thing about hurling is like, I was always of the opinion that hurlers didn't re- really need to do as much strength and conditioning because it was a very, very skill-based game. And in the rules, you're not re- even allowed to tackle the man. You're meant to, you know, block the ball or hook or whatever. But I think Limerick have shown, and since they've kind, they've kind of brought crowding the ball, crowding the man on the ball, and more of a physical kind of football. And, and a lot of teams are playing more of a running game where you're tracking fellas, and you know. The strength and conditioning has, I think, in the last maybe three or four years, has become a much more important part of hurling. Like, just look at the Limerick players; like their chests are literally sticking out through their jerseys. <laughs> yeah, they're huge men. Like, and they definitely have changed it. Like, because, like, that's the the whole. That's like Limerick. They're, they're, maybe it is forgotten a small bit about Limerick that they are like they have this unbelievable level of skill. And but it's just a mix of the two, isn't yeah. it? Like they have the physicality as well and. Like when you see them and you compare them to any other intercounty team, like I, I, there's nobody that's as you know big all over the field and as strong and as, as near as athletic as the Limerick lads. And I suppose that's why counties like Tipperary are kind of making this move now, kind of seeing themselves maybe the scene that they were falling behind a small bit, like from what Limerick were setting. Yeah, I, I follow Connor Connor Myler. I've mentioned him on the show already, Lee. Like I mean, Connor Myler has a, a the physique of a boxer. Like I mean, and. Like, you know, you know, like a boxer at a weigh-in. Like, that's how cut Conor Myler is. And I've seen him recently, he's on holidays at the moment, just flicking through this Instagram. It's all new <laughs> to me. But uh, he's on holidays there anyway with his missus. And like, I mean, he was in a pair of shorts and the, the quad muscles are just bulging out of his legs. Like, I mean, is this lad a bit freaky with how much he kind of dedicates himself to, to GA? Because I'm not sure I've seen a physique like it. Yeah, um, he's very known for being really, really uh, dedicated. And he would say himself that maybe one of his faults in the past were that he can be really intense and maybe too intense and get in his own head just because of how obsessive he would be with it. I think his other sport growing up was country cross running. Apparently, he's just frightening over long distance. Um, so he's always built up like an aerobic uh, sort of fitness there. And, and he's just built on that. And he obviously told, you know, once he got to a certain level with Tyrone and club, that he needs to put on the muscle and he would probably do that to all of the extremes as well. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's finally paid dividend. He'd be a big um, advocate for like all that sports psychology and everything too. everything that's 1%, you know, he's, he's trying to add it on to his game and he, he's just the, it's just a sponge when it comes to that sort of stuff. And, and like you say, yeah, look at him now. He's, he's the, he's the result, isn't he? Like he's the perfect specimen of a, of a footballer that you, you would imagine now. And um, what I think is interesting about Des Ryan taking over with, with the Tipperary is that he's taken over all the age groups, isn't he? From like Yeah, that's the important course. thing, yeah. That is, yeah, because I remember interviewing Paddy Talley and he believed that like underdevelopment or development teams in general should maybe be done away with. He thought they were sort of destroying young footballers. Um, and a lot of the behind, reason behind that was like you'd have strength and conditioning coaches for the under-16s team and they'd be telling you to do loads of weights. Then you get to minor and it's a different coach and he's like, yeah. well, that was nonsense. You need to do plyometric stuff, all this explosive stuff. And then your body's torn and ripped to pieces and you're going to club and it's something different. And he says, he's a, there was a teacher at St. Mary's University that he had lads there that couldn't sit on the chair correctly. They were so stiff and everything, you know. And it was because they were going through so many. <laughs> it, was, it was unstructured development. So to have like one head, one voice, one plan for the county and everyone at that level from the bottom up uh, I, it'll prove really really uh, successful I think I think it will because there's not like I mean there's nothing there's no profession well I suppose scientists at the moment all have different opinions on bloody pandemics and stuff and you don't know who to believe but strength and conditioning coaches they all have different theories 
they all have their own way of doing things. They all, you know, think that the way they, like, you know, there's obviously enough room for lots of different approaches. Mm. And Lee's perfectly right, Niall. Like, you can't go from one to another to another and three different ones that the manager pulls one lad in one lad might be good another lad the next year then you lose all that and you're doing something that you're for your development like again this is one thing that money can buy you if you can afford it is the Brian Cullen and he because I always mention Brian Cullen because he's the first ever that I can think of uh, full time strength and conditioning over all the age groups and completely, you know, synchronise the whole thing. Like, I mean, that's hugely important. Like, and Tipperary will see that. I'm fairly sure Limerick have that as well. Now, your man Gurren was with them, wasn't he? He's gone to rugby now. I think they need a new strength and condition. I'm not, not sure he was over all the, all the Limerick uh, underage, but I think Tipperary will definitely see the fruits of this, you know, from 40, maybe five, six, seven years time. You'd hope so, yeah, because... Like it is, it is the most um, frustrating thing maybe with a strength and conditioning thing is you start off on one, one year and you could be going great at it and things are, you know, you're seeing a bit of results and you're getting a bit bigger and, and stronger like and then you go in the next year and maybe there's a new strength and conditioning coach and he's giving you a completely different set of exercises and it's just there's no consistency to it or no real kind of pattern to it so it can be hard to make progress then like so it's definitely right to have it's definitely the right way to go about it, to have the, the same lad in and try and make progress yeah. that way But and it's not even that there's innovators in this game as well like I mean you always look at the All Blacks like I mean rugby went f- with massive arms massive big heavy kind of players and then New Zealand kind of took it to new levels where they didn't even u- use that many big men there weren't m- bulging muscles they did a lot of explosive stuff obviously and you know rugby's going back kind of that way where you don't need the, the, the monsters I hope I'm right on this or you don't need the muscle mm. the huge muscly men more dynamic um, and I, sometimes I wonder with the Dublin footballers why they all, their strength and condition looks so far ahead of everybody else's and they don't seem to get tired and you know Fenton's just maybe these lads are just freaky maybe you know they, they've done media stuff with the All Blacks and maybe there was a, an exchange of expertise you know because like I mean there's, te- there's, there's strength and conditioning coaches there's coaches uh technically, tactically, who are innovators. There's also, you know, coaches at strength and conditional level that are innovators as well, Lee, that like push that boat out and get one step ahead of the rest. And this is what we want to, move, you know, move towards. Because when, when I was doing strength and conditioning with Leash back under Liam Kearns for the first time, it was all bench press. It was all arm curls. It was all, you know, basically stuff that the lads loved if you're going on holidays. But like, I mean, it's not doing much for your explosive leg speed, you know, or, and stuff like that. I actually didn't do leg weights at all. It was, I've, I got a notion in my head it'll slow me down so I just <laughs> pretended I was doing them but like I mean this was the kind of thing I really liked what I was doing to my chest and my arms in a t-shirt <laughs> but like I mean it's obviously moved on you know to Calder Myler basically looking like a, a, a boxer at a weigh-in Yeah no it has and I think another example would even be if you see Cahal McSheen so he's so big but like also like really really lean you know really powerful but really fast you know it's like that sort of they've got the balance just right basically yeah. I think it was sort of like like it was in 2011 when Donegal came they got so massive and they were so like dominating and then it was tight jerseys were just sort of introduced back then as well and everyone thought like footballers the last 10 years even like when we were growing up with, from the underage clubs and stuff it was all like you said bench press bicep curls disco pumps as we call it um all the wrong sort of things, but you were making your upper body so big for a sport that involves so much twisting and turning. Yeah. That, like hip injuries, like everyone's hips are just ruined. Now. <laughs> like if you play football at this, at my age, say, because you've been preparing and are pre- developing so incorrectly for years beforehand. 
um, and hamstring <laughs> issues and everything. Nowadays, like if you've uh, if you go to a minor setup um, in any county, everything will be all glutes and power and box jumps and squats and things like that, you know. Um, and it's all just done correctly. And that's just it's trial and error, and it takes a while for. Um, uh, common sense is supposed to seep through because it's like yeah ego gets in the way definitely when it comes to gym and you you see the the bicep curls you think i'll do a couple more chin-ups rather than a few more box jumps yeah and and uh well i have to pull you up there was our man in 2003 that started the tight jersey uh phenomenon oh, yeah. their arms were off the charts uh back then because um that was my era and we copied them then in 2004 we had the skin tight uh jerseys but miko didn't have us doing any weights so it didn't make any <laughs> it's not like we were intimidating anyone it was still kind of baggy on my little skinny arms so like i mean we just copied them and then there was one or two lads on the leash team let's just say weren't too fond of the tight jerseys with a bit of a belly that the, that was uh probably around in those days so like I mean, yeah, it was Armagh started the the tight jersey. They've moved away from those tight jerseys now as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Go on. I, no, I, I heard. Sorry, it's just like what you said, and because I, I remember Aaron Kernan or not Aaron Kernan, Joe Kernan. <laughs> I brought that in with the tight jerseys to look intimidating and stuff, and that other counties that went to uh, copy them. But when I just watch them old games, like I don't think they still look really baggy, you know. Really? Well, not a McGinney. Yeah. McGee, McGee, ah, they're I'm arms. not a McGinney, no. No, it's, oh, I think it was the sleeves on the arms were very, very tight and they yeah. rode up higher so their bi- their biceps were in full show and they, they all had the guns. They probably weren't doing the right weights back then either by the looks yeah. of their bodies. They were all uh, top heavy. Um, you know, and then I remember even back in the day then we started because we were so late doing the weights and then Armagh obviously were starting them and it was all bicep curls, I'm sure chest and they all had the big chest and, and everything. And then as we started doing weights in 2007, now we're four years behind behind everybody else. We started with the chest and the bicep curls. And I remember talking to Alan Brogan, um, who'd be a good friend. You know, he's saying they're doing an awful lot of those snatch kind of things, you know, explosive stuff down into a squat and up over your head. And like, so Dublin had moved four years ahead of us, you know, in, in the evolution of what kind of the weights thing were. And I think that's it. You're either catching up on these things or you're kind of leading from the front. And it's, you know, the explosive kind of stuff that Dublin were doing. You know, like you're saying, a lot of box jumping, a lot of those, you know, squat jumps and all that kind of thing. Explosiveness in your legs. That's what they were doing while I was doing my bicep curl, thinking I was absolutely great. So that's it. Yeah. Innovators on strength and conditioning. It's an interesting enough subject, isn't it? I could do a show on strength and conditioning with one or two with one of, or two of them uh, someday if I wasn't leaving. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll leave it there talking about leaving. That's it. We'll, uh, we'll bef- talk. Just We're before back. you go, Wooly, and uh, I know you're doing the, the best of show um, on the 29th or the 30th, but um, just from my own perspective, I just want to say thanks for... I, like I've enjoyed every minute of being on the show for the last two months and uh, I've been here in sports so I think for three or four years now you've been here for five years and from when I started at the at the start it was the GR was there and I'd say from then on I've barely missed uh, an episode listening since and uh, I'm definitely not on my own in in that sort of a, a, a maybe a fanatic of the show because um, I'd say I'm speaking for a lot of people who've, who've listened to the show down through the years and uh we mightn't have agreed with you on Everton, but definitely, definitely enjoyed it. And uh, so just from my own perspective, just want to say um, thanks and wish you all the best with the, with the new thing. I'll definitely be following you anyway. And uh, from, from Sports Joe and Joe as well, we got you a little, uh, a little GA Hour jersey, a mug and uh, a little message from a, a few of your past pundits. We got onto them and they have a message for you here now. Thanks for everything, Willie. Honestly, you've taught me so much. You've been class to work with. I know you've genuinely inspired other people as well and you've put together an unbelievable body of work that you should be really proud of. 
Although I'm guessing you already are really proud of it because it's not like you to take a bit of credit for something you've done well. But you should take credit for it. And while we're giving out credit, sure, why don't I take a bit of credit as well? Because I know, I know that I've taught you a few things along the way. I mean, look, football isn't as fucked as you once thought it was, is it? But it's not about me. I'm not coming here and you're going away party to say I told you so, although I sort of am. But I'm mostly coming to say well done, fair play mate, and um, enjoy it, because like, what you've done has been ridiculous. I hope you're very proud of everything that you have achieved on the show. Um, the numbers that you had listening on a weekly basis were incredible. Um, and I was delighted um, with the invite on a number of occasions uh, to be able to add some content. Um, but I suppose just for myself, the biggest compliment that I can pay you is that uh, from working with you, the level of professionalism that you had and the level of passion you have for, for Gaelic games is way beyond anything that I thought you would have had and I'm sure the rest of the general public. So congrats again on everything and the very best wishes for whatever you get stuck with in the future. Willie, how are you? Congrats on everything you've done with the GAR. Uh, great achievement and best of luck on your new venture wherever you end up. No doubt it'll be a success. Talk to you soon, boys. God bless. Just want to say um, we had some great chats Myself and Cheddar and myself and we ruling the roost over them monster boys and sewing it into them. But uh, I know, seriously, I suppose for me, the low light would have to be the fact that myself and Cheddar got it wrong on occasions. And to hear you get the predictions right ahead of us, that's particularly hard to take. But uh, I suppose a stop clock is right twice a day too. I suppose I just wanted to take this opportunity to to, to, to wish you the very best of luck and, and, and thank you for having me involved in the GA Hour over the last number of years, um, obviously a, a very avid listener to the show, but but hurling and football. But I suppose just being on the show and, and getting to know you over the last number of years was certainly a, a great a great time for me, and it was an absolute pleasure to work alongside you. Um, you always encouraged me to to throw my opinion out on the table. We had a couple of debates. I normally agreed with you um, most of the time. Anyway, I think for for a clear man and a, a leash man, we 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 sort of got on well, but. Um, yeah, it was it was a brilliant time. I always loved going up, and it was like it was just like two old lads that reminiscing on, on football and talking about our day from time to time, and and um, you know it was always good, honest discussion, and I think that's what you know your listeners always enjoyed about the show, regardless of anything else. Um, they, they got who you are and what you were about, and I think that was very very important. You didn't try to be anything that you weren't. It was just it was just raw honesty from your from yourself. So, um, and and I really enjoyed the time I spent spent with you um, discussing football. Um, obviously we we locked horns a few times in in uh, on the field as well, and and uh, I suppose most notably the big one was the all three Leinster final where you came out on top, and and I'm sure for for the group of players that you had. Uh, you were very worthy, worthy winners on the day, and and uh, just look at the very best of luck. I'm sure we'll we'll have, we'll chat uh, lots of chats along the way, and um wherever your next venture is, I've no doubt it'll be a success. Hi, Willie. Um, fair play on all the great work on the show over the years. Um, we had great crack doing the show together, and I wish you all the best on your future endeavours. No doubt they'll be successful. Hi, Willie. Just want to wish you the very best luck for the future. Um, it's been a pleasure working with you on the GA or for the last year. Um, we've had some great chats just about hurling, football, everything in between. Um, and look, it, it's been a pleasure over the last year. So just want to wish you the very best of luck. I'm sure there's great things ahead for you and we'll chat soon. Best of luck with your new, your new venture. So there's, uh, the lads have asked me to do um, a video of, of a few years together. So, so um, what's called, I suppose one of the funniest things that 
uh, came out of the whole show was the time to ask me why don't the cornerbacks stand on the outside of their players. Uh, no, Colm, you will not see that in the All-Ireland final where the cornerbacks will be playing on the sideline side of the back and I let Paddy Stapleton explain the rest. Rule number one, I'd say if that happened, Chairman O'Sullivan would out onto the pitch with a pair of shorts and such an eight would give his cornerbacks more. Rule number one, no, that will not happen. Damien, you're making me sound like I'm a terrible gumshite altogether. I don't mean... That's rule number one, Tom. At back, marks his man. And rule number two, your cornerbacks stay on the goal side of your man to protect the goals. Now, Paddy Staple will elaborate more because he's a cornerback. All right, Willie. All the best in your future endeavours. It's been brilliant. Well, as brilliant as it's been to work with you on the, the Joda EGA hour, um, it's been tough defending you every other day of the week uh, in, in private. So, absolutely had a brilliant time uh, with you, super host. Um, always really accommodating. And, you know, if just in case the public don't know, a top, top fella as well. Best of luck. Before you came, we didn't even have a podcast, so I can't even, couldn't even imagine what the GA hour would become. And all the memories along the way. And my favourite memory, you probably don't even remember because I'm pretty sure you were absolutely pissed, is when we were walking back to our hotel room in a Westport hotel and there was just this lovely group of older people sitting there minding their own business in the lobby and you treated them unprompted to a rendition of Nancy Spain. And it was honestly, it was beautiful. I'll never forget it. Um, thanks, honestly, and well done. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing about him. <laughs> <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.